What's with all these badass women in movies and TV who still need to be rescued by men? Or the ones who can defeat armies of muscle-bound henchmen barehanded, but have to do it in skin-tight suits and high heels? And what's up with those badass women who never wanted or needed a man until our suave hero sexed her up, and then she dies? Welcome to the Outrider Podcast's seven-part series, Problematic Badass Female Tropes. I'm your host, Jason Quinn Malott, and I'll be talking with the writer, performer, and all-around badass who identified these tropes, my friend, Jen Zukowski. So strap on some pasties and a merkin, and let's do this thing. Welcome to the Outrider Podcast. I, of course, am Jason Quinn Malott, and I'm here with my friend Jen Zukowski from graduate school. And we're going to be talking about her seven-part series of articles that she wrote for writershq.co.uk called Problematic Badass Female Tropes. It's about all the horrible things we do to women in stories. <laughs> you know, woot, 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 woot. as they say online. <laughs> I, I'm tempted. I am tempted um, to title the uh, the podcast series "Problematic Badass Lady Parts." <laughs> oh my god, you totally should. That'd be awesome. So problematic tonight, lady parts. There's you know, we have Planned Parenthood for that. For <laughs> <laughs> so tonight we're tonight tonight. Well, it is going to be night every time we, we do that. We sit down to do this, but right. people will be listening whenever the hell they feel like it. So this time as for our, well, they should. I know. Right. So for this first one, we're discussing what you have dubbed the Marion effect. The Marion effect. Right. So would you like to give uh, our, our listeners a, a rundown of the Marion effect? I would like to give our listeners a rundown of the whole shebang, like the whole enchilada idea okay. first. Is that cool? Sure. Because like so many of us, especially in the sort of reverberating waves of Me Too, are talking about this sort of thing. Uh-huh. I wanted to distinguish my seven tropes from other amazing feminist scholars who are talking about all kinds of misogyny. Uh-huh. So like as we're as we're all sort of discussing now, there's this inherent ingrained ingrained so much as to be insidious since systematic systematic misogyny that's a that's a good tongue twister yes it is that makes my that makes that makes my lady parts problematic um (laughs) (laughs) anyway so but i mean people are talking about this all the time and and there's all kinds of sort of misogynistic tropes like there's a damsel damsel in distress Mm -hmm. there's the mary sue there's the manic pixie dream girl and so many people are talking about that but what i wanted to do was talk about in particular badass female characters because right. that's more that's more distinguished than like a damsel in distress is really super easy to to spot especially Correct. these days when we're all kind of talking about it mm-hmm. but when it's a badass female character it's almost like a, a bait and switch kind of situation where you're right. presented with this really super strong character and you're amazing and all that stuff <laughs> but then like when you look at it you're like actually if you look closely, she's really not badass at all. She's really subservient to the male hero or, mm-hmm. you know, has sex, sexuality shoehorned onto her, all this stuff that we're going to be talking about with these seven right. series. But, you know, other, other scholars, like, I mean, just look at Anita Sarkeesian. If you want to learn about the damsel in distress in video games, she does a really good job. So I'm not talking about feminist uh, calling out tropes in general. I'm talking about mm-hmm. 
calling out misogyny that's insidiously within the structure of particularly badass characters, because again, that's a lot harder to notice. Right. It's kind it of just the sneaky seemed... misogyny. It's the uh, it's sneaky misogyny. It's, yeah. It's it's similar to benevolent misogyny, which is like, oh yes, women can do whatever they want. They just need dudes' help. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Yeah. And that's kind of one of them too. Um, and and also, I wanted to make this caveat as well. Um, I'm not calling these inherent misogynist structures of character out to make all of you hate all of them. Right. You shouldn't. You should still love all of them. I mean, go ahead and love your Wonder Woman. It's all great. I happen to adore James Bond, and I'm sorry. You know what? I'm not sorry. Hashtag sorry, not sorry. I love James Bond. But I can at least be aware of the problems that are inherent with these characters. Like, you can still love these characters, but just don't be spoon-fed the misogyny. Right. Like, understand, understand, don't swallow the misogyny. Like you're, Don't allow yourself said, to be brainwashed by it. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Just know what you're watching. And also, this is good for people who, too, who are helping uh, younger people, people who have developing social structures. They don't know how they are to, supposed mm-hmm. to be socially, they're, or they're just discovering that, and their brains are still developing. So when, when young girls My and boys and... Developing. <laughs> I don't mind this, too. <laughs> Every moment. Speaking of that, I'm going to have a sip of wine. Hmm. But I mean, when young girls and boys and non-binaries are growing up and trying to figure out where they fit into the mm-hmm. world, and they they just get spoon-fed these characters without any kind of discussion, they right. just get they get this in it's this in, invidious, insidious misogyny that's almost like normalized or almost like you don't notice it. Right. It's so normal. So that's what I want to do with these seven tropes. They're particularly about badass characters, not right. about other kinds of female characters. Anyway. That's my long-winded thing. Yep. And well, that's the thing about, about the, the tropes, and, and I know we'll talk about it eventually later, is the whole uh-huh. point about representation. You can, yeah. you can grow up and not see anything. This is kind of why, um, you know, when, when Black Panther came out, I was uh-huh. just nearly in tears because I was like, here's a, here's a, here's a, a role model for all of those, you know, kids of color that I grew up with who – had to like the same white superheroes that I liked and didn't right. have their own. And, and here's this big, huge, epic superhero that's theirs. And the thing that kind of tickled me was that, you know, having been a, a straight white male who grew up with a lot of straight white male superheroes, uh-huh. I realized at some point that it had kind of indoctrinated into me this idea that I had to save the world because sure. I was the, I was the I look like all the other superheroes. Well, and, and, and there's so when, but there's other stuff that gets indoctrinated too. Not only right. just like I have to save the world, but things like you know what what's the what's the one sentence pitch sentence for a rom com? Mm-hmm. Boy gets girl. Right. Think about how much of a problem that fucking sentence. Oh yeah. Is. Oh, can I say fucking? Yeah, it's okay. my fucking podcast. <laughs> fucking, you can say fucking whenever you fucking want to. But the point was, but my thing was then when when now it's not like we haven't had you know female superheroes or or strong or or female heroines make their way into into the movies. Uh huh. But part of the reason that Wonder Woman and 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 Black Panther and and getting these superheroes out there was, you know, like I said, I, I had grown up, you know thinking that it was my job to be a superhero. Right. 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 To save the world. And when all of these other, when all of these, you know, when Black Panther showed up, when Wonder Woman showed up, I was like, oh my 
God, reinforcements are here. You yeah, know? Well, thank God, yeah. I'm not. A, I'm not the only one tasked with saving the world anymore. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, exactly. No, that indoctrinated is a really strong word. I think that's really true. Like you know, it's, it's just this whole social, the social interactions we learn, we get, we get mm-hmm. from our culture. And so to be able to call out these problems is not to make us hate our entertainment, but it's to make us go, okay, you know what? Right. It's, there are some problems here. And so now I know what they are and knowing is half the battle. (laughs) 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 I also used to watch G.I. Joe. I still watch G.I. Joe cartoons on Saturday mornings. Oh Oh, God, God, we are old, aren't we? Love that stuff. He-Man. Oh God, so good. (laughs) So good. So I started this discussion when I was musing about two particular characters named Marion, which is why my first trope is called the Marion effect. Right. Um, it happens all over the place. But I was musing about these two characters in particular, and I was having this discussion with my significant other, and suddenly it just bloomed into this whole, oh, uh-huh. my God, problematic badass female tropes. So because I'm a badass female in my own like real life, and I'm realizing how these how that that sort of hidden misogyny has affected mm-hmm. me in my real life. So the the Marion so, effect started so, out with these two characters named Marion. So uh, I could okay, go ahead. Well, but before we get into Marion, yet again, let's yes. sidetrack. And okay. and for those who for <laughs> those who it's Jason um, and me talking over beer and wine. <laughs> Better all strap in. It's gonna be a really right. exciting couple oh, yeah. of hours. Well, if we'll you don't try, know what it's like. We'll try to keep it to one hour, otherwise everybody will pass out around us. But our, viewer, the, our listeners are going to turn into Kevin. Right. <laughs> so before, before, before we get too far into, into Marion here, let's, okay. let's and, and for the sake of those who have not heard previous uh, shows where you and I talked, let's, let's give them a quick little bio as to what makes oh. you a badass, because I know ah. but they don't. They don't. They may not. Um, so I... Am right now. I do a lot of different things. I am making a career transition from academia into the corporate world, where I'm going to bring my uh, body language uh, consulting expertise. Uh-huh. Um, my I'm a martial artist, as far as my background goes. I've been doing stage combat and stunt coordination for almost two decades now. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, while I pluck a gray hair out of my head. <laughs> um, so I do stunt stunt coordination, stage combat. Um, martial arts and I've been doing lots of intimacy coordination these days mm-hmm. too and I've been for the past couple of years also getting into the burlesque and variety show scene right on so um, and just growing up learning the the, the fields the art forms of mm-hmm. stage couple theatrical combat and real combat martial arts mm-hmm. very 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 boys club like right. super boys club so and it still is into a lot of to, to a to a big extent, mm-hmm. not completely like it was back in the '90s when I was doing it. But um, so that's my particular brand of badassery. I'm I'm kind of a real life badass, <laughs> right? And a so, poet and a novelist. Yes, and, I'm a writer yeah. and all that good stuff. So I wanted to write about these things because I wanted to call them out and help pe- people, especially people like me who are continuing to create stories. Mm-hmm. To help them to just be like, oh, that's kind of shitty. Oh, okay, right. yeah, okay. Hmm. So actually, I got a, a message recently from a friend who I had gone to theater school with um, back at CU Boulder. She's a filmmaker now, 
And she told me she uses the articles every day in her work. <laughs> and she told me she told me she shared some of the articles with a filmmaker friend of hers who had uh-huh. some problematic tropes in some of his characters. He was oh, a, a screenwriter. Right. And she's like, I just gave these to him. And it's so I mean, this is really that, this that is already helping head explode. <laughs> I know. I was I got all like super big headed. So <laughs> <laughs> So that's why I wanted to write these and um, and share them. Writers HQ is a is a website for and by writers. Yep. So I'm I'm hoping that like all the writers that see them on that website are able to use them too. So excellent. So yeah, and my significant other also says that this is going to turn into a book. And I'm like, God damn. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> so that's the main the main thing. I have another fun thing about Writers HQ being a a British website and my struggle with British spelling. <laughs> They're very cute. I call them my Britters. They're adorable. Excellent. I'm like, okay, you know what? I'll, I'll replace my Z's with S's. That's no problem. I have no problem with that at all, but you can pry. What did I say? You can pry aluminum from my cold dead Yankee hands. <laughs> I'm like, why do you need to add so many more vowels? Are you traumatized by Welsh? Is that what it is? I like all the vowels. But I'm like, it's not aluminium. Anyway, so that's yep. just a side note. You can edit that out. Um, no, nope, that's fine. <laughs> so the Marion effect was the first thing that I was thinking about, mm-hmm. which just made all of them come tumbling out after. I was musing right. about these two characters, and this is what started the entire thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was thinking about these two things. And actually, when I was young, when these two movies came out, I was really young, and I was very impressionable, and I was trying to become a badass myself. Right. And I, it always bugged me. These two characters, their arc, it's not their story, of course. It's the male hero story, duh. Right. But, right, which is another thing. But, it, well, yeah, it always, it always bugged me. So the first Marion that I talk about in this article is Maid Marion from the uh-huh. so terrible, it's fantastic, Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves with Kevin Costner. Oh, yes, where Robin Hood actually came from Texas somehow. God, it's so bad. It's great. It's so, I mean, God. But it does bless have the Alan wonderful Rickman. Alan Rickman. Oh, mean, oh, God bless. So, so good. So, Cut like, heart out with a spoon. Like, a spoon. as a. Because it'll hurt more. As, as a trained actor, I'm just like, did no one give him any direct. They're just like, go for it. Make it as big as humanly. No, actually, make it. Bigger than humanly possible. Yeah. No one told him to pull it back. <laughs> Nobody. It is glorious. But anyway, so when we first meet Maid Marian in this movie, you may recall, mm-hmm. um, she's she's masked, so we don't know it's a she, and she like has right. this amazing fight scene. Like she has this like anachronistic ninja suit on, basically, which is completely right. wrong for the time period. But whatever, <laughs> we don't care. They all had '90s scarves and mullets and shit. Anyway, um, and she kicks Robin Hood's ass. She yep. kicks Robin Hood's at. I mean, we all know Robin Hood. Robin Hood's a hero. Yeah, sure, he's an archer, but, you know, he's a badass. She kicks his ass. He made actually, it through the his, She kicks his nuts, actually. But, yep. So, I mean, we're like, wow, that's amazing. That's so cool. After that, directly after that fight scene, she turns into completely useless. There is no, like, she's <laughs> so useless. She can't fight back when the, the henchmen attack her on the horses. Uh-huh. She can't, she can't, like... She gets dragged up a tower by one wrist by the scrawny sheriff of Nottingham. <laughs> like, what? There's an old witch. 
there's a fat priest and there's this dude who's like half your size. How right. are you not? What happened to your badass skills? What happened to all the fighting? I know. Did you just forget how to fight? Was the fight like, was it like a superhero suit where it, all the fight is in the suit? Like what, what happened? Well, the dress even, is restrictive, you know, I mean. Yeah, but sure. But even <laughs> then, even then, you could at least do, I know I've fought in dresses before. I have right. fought in dresses with multi-layered skirts and I've fought in corsets before. You can do shit. Yep. You can't you can do everything punch. you could do in the anachronistic suit, but you can do some things. You can at least like. Do something. I mean, aren't right. you armed anymore? Like what? What? You just met. You met. So you met the male hero, and now suddenly you are unarmed, and you are completely useless, and you've forgotten completely how to fight. Like what? Why? And my young self that came out in '91, kids. So I was yep. just graduating high school in '91, and I was like, what? What? Why? Why? <laughs> and then even there's the point where where there's the big, you know, Robin Hood versus Sheriff of Nottingham sword fight scene at the uh-huh. very end. Even then, she's standing there doing nothing. Like, right. what? What? All you can do is go, Robin, look out. Like, really? Yeah. <laughs> what happened? What happened between that first scene? Oh, well, the, the male hero came on the right. scene. That's, that's what happened. Of course, that's what happened. So then I was thinking, oh, shit. Well, that's exact. That's that's really that's really shitty. I mean, so she's only badass because of a flavor. She's only a badass so that we can understand why he would fall in love with her. Right. But it's not real because she can do nothing to save herself. The second Marion, because mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, you know what? Robin Hood of the is a really bad movie, so <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Um, but in Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's mm-hmm. the second Marion that I was talking about. And Marion yep. Ravenwood is not a like a fist fighter. She's not like like a warrior type, the way we uh-huh. are fooled into believing the May Marion was. But she's a total bad. Like we again, we get introduced to her. She is badass. She drinks these guys under the table. She's not even like tipsy. She's like us talking at, in grad school over pitchers right. of beer. She's like totally Poor badass. Man. She owns her tavern. I mean, sure, she inherited it from her father. We get the idea, but still, I mean, she is a badass. She owns her tavern. She can drink anyone under the table. She yep. when she has that big where's the big fight with Indy and her against the Nazis in the top in the tavern. Uh, by the way, I'm going to talk about spoilers, but these are really old movies, so right. If people so haven't off. seen them yet, um, it's probably because they're young and they'll get over it. Whatever. It's a spoiler. Agent um, asshole. <laughs> yeah. Kids these days. While you're at it, get off my lawn. Um, but, at, so, you know, during that big fight scene, she's not mm-hmm. actually fighting because she's not a fighter, but Indy's a fighter, but she totally has his back. He's like, give me that bottle of liquor. Okay. And it's like, it's her yeah. sharp shooting and sharp eye and, and cool head under pressure that actually saves Indy. He would have gotten shot at the end if it weren't for her. And, and the at extra the end of that, dose of alcohol. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but that, she she was not fighting, but she was totally backing up Indy in a really right. strong way, which is totally appropriate for a character, right? And at the end, she goes, I'm a goddamn partner! And then right. cut to the next scene, and she fucking isn't. And uh, also, you noticed how both of these characters, their, even their hair style mm-hmm. changes, their what they're wearing changes. By the time uh, Mary right. Ravenwood becomes the damsel in distress this is what the flip happens so she starts off as a badass turns into a damsel in distress once the hero arrives so by the t- first we first see Miriam raven when she's wearing earth tones she's wearing pants mm-hmm. she has her hair up she's sweaty she's you mm-hmm. know as you would be 
by the time she becomes the damsel in distress, she is literally wearing a white dress. Right. Like she's a bride and she's wearing high heels. And, you know, to give Miriam Ravenwood a little credit, she does try to get away from Belloc by using her drinking skills and her and her wit. But it doesn't work. Right. Because that's not what she is anymore. Now her only function is to be the, the second MacGuffin that Indy has to save. Right. He now has to save her and the MacGuffin, not necessarily in that order. Right. Now, <laughs> see, I, I did not I did not rewatch um, Robin Hood. Because I, I, was, I, was, I was a little bit distracted by a lot of other things going on God, in my life. But I, but I did over Christmas rewatch over the New Year's thing when my sister was here, rewatch Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah. Right. Love that movie. Now, love it, the, too. Love it. But the Still thing is, it. though, is that is that my one thing and I agree with you that Marion has some problems in, in Raiders, but it's a but whereas um in Robin Hood, it's a it's a it's an on off switch. Right, right. Yes. In Raiders, it's not that black and white. Yeah. Because when they get to Cairo, she's well, it's still fragile. in pants, but it's flouncy pants. Her hair is down. Um, her hair is down, but she's still fights. And the only reason she gets caught is because she makes a bad decision, not because she did not fight back. Right, she made exactly. a bad decision to hide in the basket, and they were like, "Oh, the monkey caught her." But that's right, right. But prior to that, you know, she she did punch out somebody. She hit somebody with the frying yeah, pan. She totally. You know, she stood her ground, and the only thing that that caught her was she made a bad decision, which Indiana Jones also made. At right. Various it, times. It, it's a it's a more gradual transition with Mary okay. Ravenwood. Yeah, it's 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 not just, it's not and like you said it's not a it's switch that gets flipped. Right. It's still a flip, but it's a gradual transition. And you can see that, like you just said, in the in the outfits that she wears when we first meet her <laughs> compared to when she's in Morocco, compared to when she's right. in Belloc's captivity. It's it's you can see the the sort of timeline of damsel and distressness <laughs> that happens. Yeah, and that's that's def- definitely well said. I think in the article too, I point that out. It's like now it's obvious in Robin Hood. It's like, what the fuck? Really? What right. just happened? But in Indiana Jones, it's like it, you don't really go what the fuck. You actually just go. I don't. There's something. Something just niggles at me. Like I'm mm-hmm. just not. I'm not sure what is bothering me, but something's bothering me. That's how I felt right. about Indiana Jones. So that's that's why I put those two together because it's like okay, you can see the obvious thing, but mm-hmm. then look at look at how in in just it's totally within the structures of this character within this story. It's hard to notice. It really True. is hard to notice until you call it out. So yeah, that's right. one of the ones that's more, way more subtle. And you know, by the end, she's like, does not. I mean, she's literally another thing for Indy to to get away from the Nazis. Yeah, but I mean, you should always rescue the the woman from the Nazis. I mean, that's just kind of the, well, sure. the rule. <laughs> yes, yes, but she she does nothing. Her role completely changes, in other words. Like, it, right. be- it begins with, I'm your goddamn partner, and it ends with, Andy! You know, like... <laughs> <laughs> Mario! Right. So, now, here's here's an interesting question. Maybe it's not that interesting. I don't know. I'm, I'm assuming too much. <laughs> well, I'll try and have but, an interesting answer, at least. <laughs> but what if... Now, it's been a while, and I, and I almost rewatched this as well. Because Marion reappears in the same, you know, character. 
Oh, in you're talking about Kingdom, the fourth movie. Yeah, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Uh, la, 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 there's no fourth movie. La, 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 la. <laughs> Indiana Jones is a trilogy. La, la, la. I can't hear you. Oh, no. I don't know why people disliked that movie so much. Well, I tried watching it, and what I didn't like was the... It sort of was... It was mean-spirited, unlike the other three. How so? I I can't I can't put my finger on it. You're gonna have to make me watch it again, and I'm gonna hate hmm. you forever if you make me do that. <laughs> it, it was a sort of well, for one thing, the fight scenes and the action is in the storyline itself is very video game and not nearly so grounded in reality. Even uh-huh. though there is obviously supernatural elements to to all three of the right, movies right. there's there's a supernatural thing that you're rescuing that's what the MacGuffin is is you're mm-hmm. rescuing a magical artifact right but there's still a lot more grounding in reality in the first three movies just in the movements of everybody in the action scenes of course a lot of the stunts were practical stunts too mm-hmm. that adds to it um and there's this kind of i don't know how to put it yes we're always punching nazis yes we're always fighting bad guys yes indiana jones is a sort of a horn dog problematic character himself, but there's this kind of joy in the first three. Right. And there's just, it's just really cynical and mean and... Do you think maybe it has something to do with the Cold War aspect to it? Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe it's not like, yeah, yay, let's punch out Nazis. We can all agree on that. It's more like, yeah, I don't know. And I just, I don't know about the whole like... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why the whole alien thing should be any different than the whole, like, Ark of the Covenant thing. Right. The whole that. I mean, there really isn't necessarily anything wrong about the one versus the other. But right. I don't know. There's just but, I don't no. Know. I just thought I, I thought I would bring it up because you know she yeah. does have um, a second act of, of she does. Unlike um, Maid Marian from the Robin Hood movie, Marion Ravenwood has a has a second act. Well, that's she's... really rare, and that's really rare for also a young, badass female character to reappear as the same character as someone older. Right, and she's... that's pretty rare. And she doesn't get she doesn't need to be rescued this time in the second mm-hmm. one, does she? I, I mean, don't know. Left, I'd have we'll have to watch it again. God damn it. <laughs> I don't want to watch the fucking Crystal Skull. <laughs> uh, research, right? Aren't research. they making another one? Yeah, I think so. Are they doing it with Harrison Ford? I think so. Good Lord. <laughs> and at the so moment, I can't we... think of other Marian characters. A lot of these characters, too. I mean, like we were noticing just with the two that I bring up in my article. There's mm-hmm. a lot of different characters that have this happen to them where it's like like there are some female badass characters that actually they're nearly just fine right there's just this little little porcupine spine of oh you know god why do you have to be subservient to the man right now like why (laughs) mm, it was so good until then yeah and it is so good like i'm thinking imperator furiosa in particular from mad max Mm -hmm. um i think she's a she has a couple of little threads of a couple of these tropes, but the one thing I was thinking in particular was that throughout most of the movie, spoilers, kids, right? Um, throughout most of the movie, she's the leader, and she 
she's the one who came up with the scheme. She's the one who mm-hmm. is like the main like strength and backbone and the the brains and the brawn of the whole operation. But once they get to the island of misfit toys, uh, sorry, island of women or whatever the <laughs> the country, they get to the island of misfit toys, and she just she realizes, oh shit, this is not the save the saving right. grace that I thought it was. Right after that happens, she becomes the follower. Right. And then suddenly Max is the leader to bring them back to where they need to be. And then she becomes the follower. So that's not necessarily a bad thing because that makes sense within the arc of the plot. It makes, you know, it's, it's, you could say, you could argue that that's actually fine, but that is actually a manifestation of the Marion effect. She is the total badass. She is the leader. She is the one. And then suddenly she's like, okay, I'll follow you, Max. Right, what do you but, want? What, what should we do next? But that seems almost at that point, even though she, I think the only probably thing that saves it from really being the Marion effect is that she is a badass within the confines of the tribe that she's a part of. Right. And she makes this plan to extricate herself and these women from that situation. Right. But it's it's almost like she gets to a point and because she is so she was so enmeshed in the tribe she does not have the the experience or the capacity right to right. make the she additional does it out of necessity yeah and yeah. the leap into it and she needs someone as crazy and alone and isolated as max right to make no, right. The, so it's so even exactly. though exactly and, and she doesn't become a damsel in distress either right that's that's a that's another major variation on it she doesn't actually yeah. become a damsel distressed but she does become a follower right but it's out of necessity it's out of total necessity she has and, to now she has no idea what to do next right which is and, totally legit and they could not have and even with max leading they could not have made that final leap without her right exactly yeah he so she doesn't lose her badassness right and he doesn't have to rescue her right He's rescuing all of them, including himself, and she's right there alongside of him. She doesn't mm-hmm. lose her ability to uh, to win a fight. She doesn't be yeah exactly. She doesn't be, she doesn't forget all of her warrior skills for right. some bizarre reason. So you, you see what I'm saying? Like this, like you could you could talk about other characters. There are other characters that do this in an okay way, mm-hmm. and it's just important to kind of look at you know what are our structures of of gender and you know, male domination and stuff like that. But right, right. I, I like to bring her up when I talk about Naren Effect because it's like, well, you know, this is actually maybe almost an example of something that happens like this, but mm-hmm. that isn't a problem. Right, right. Necessarily, or isn't isn't a bad problem like these are. So where would, or or do we get to this, or would this fit in later on? Where would... um you know the the I'm trying to think of how best to describe her. Oh, the 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 uh, the teenage boy wet dream badass fantasy of Lara Croft. Where would she fit? Oh, in? does oh. she fit in 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 any of these tropes? Yeah, I would call her um, part of the second one, which is the Wonder Woman. Okay, so we'll get to that next week. But yeah. Remind me of her, though, which is funny because I was just looking on Twitter today and I saw this beautiful like love story between Wonder Woman and Lara Croft. And it was this beautifully <laughs> illustrated, like comic, a few comic pages. Right. It was gorgeous and delicious. Oh, my God. 
anyway. Yeah, I would so, say Lara Croft, because so, the Wonder Woman, that's the second trope. We'll talk about that next time. Mm-hmm. Um, that's about a warrior woman with sexuality either shoehorned onto her, like sexiness, I mean, not sexuality, right. but sex, sexiness being shoehorned onto her or completely extracted from her in order for her to be mm-hmm. worth, worth, a, worth being a character. So I would call Lara Croft that, especially her old iteration in the first video games. Yep. But yeah, I can't. I can't think of any other Marion effect. Can you think of any Marion effect characters that are in well, the no, literature? Well, no, that's what I've been. That's what I've been pondering. You know, for the couple weeks since we, uh, you know, set the date on this. And yeah, it's 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 interesting. It's kind of a challenge to really think of it because it does it does. Because it ends up in the, you know, damsel in distress trope. Yeah, the whole, like, she starts kind off of, if, as strong and then ends up being completely... Right, and, and depending, on, depending on how fast or how weakly that, that badassery is established, mm-hmm. you know, it really kind of overtakes it. So if they do a poor job of establishing the woman as a badass, then all you remember is the damsel in distress. Damsel you, don't, stress, right. you don't remember the transition. And that's been the hardest thing yeah. that, I've, that I've been trying to, to wrestle with when trying to think of other, mm-hmm. you know, situations where it's, where it happens like this. Um, and that's part of the bait, the bait and switch aspect of it too. Like what you're saying is exactly what that effect of these tropes is like, Oh, well, if it's, if it switches too quickly or too severely or, or we don't get her badassery strongly mm-hmm. enough, then yeah, we do kind of forget that she was strong or it's the other way around where it's like, it's like Marion in, in Indiana Jones. It's like, well, we almost forget that she becomes a damsel in distress because she's so <laughs> cool in the beginning. And that's kind of what sticks. And then we go, mm-hmm. Oh wait, I totally forgot. She is a total, total princess peach, like at the end. Right. And, and really it's almost like you forget that part too. Mm-hmm. It's almost like we're we're being cajoled into into not <laughs> noticing, which I don't think. I mean, honestly, I think this happens for two reasons. Right. This whole bait, the bait and switch thing for all of the seven tropes. I think it happens on the one hand, especially in Hollywood, where we've been learning how what a toxic sort of environment uh-huh. that has been. Where it's like it is actually on purpose. Where it's actually malicious. Like, okay, let's just give her something cool to do so that the bitches don't bitch at us all right so just give her like make, give her an awesome fight scene and then let's right. fucking forget about it literally like I, I i would not put it past some of the creators in hollywood to actually literally be saying that mm-hmm. but i think that's not usually the case most right. of the time i would say it's actually people who really don't get it like the whole there is a sort of a minor controversy recently about the deadpool one of the Deadpool trailers or one of the Deadpool movies, and I haven't seen oh. them. But um, there was one thing it? about how now I know I need to be reading him and seeing him, right, Mr. Fourth Wall Breaker. Yeah, Mr. Snark. Right. Snark no. No. Hero. Yeah. What happened? But there was a, there was a whole thing about two, like they fridged his two. love interest. They fridged her, and yep. just Google fridging, kids. Um, it's a it's a problematic misogynist trope um so they fridged her and then the the creators were like what that's is that a thing like they had no idea they really they literally just did not Mm -hmm. know and i think that's mostly what happens is people it's it's that misogyny is so ingrained in our less sort of 
rape culture that we just kind of don't notice most of the time, which is really kind of, this is why I wrote these articles because it's like, Hey, look, don't hate it. It's okay. It's okay. (laughs) (laughs) But this is, did you know that you were doing that? (laughs) Right. Right. So, so for yeah. those who for those who uh, are, are listening and don't want to go take the time to look it up real quick, fridging is the trope where um, the the hero's love interest is killed early on in the story, and that's the thing that triggers his emotional and and plot development throughout the rest of the story is that he's dealing with the death of the loved one. And so, John Wick it happens a lot, but. Oh yeah. So they fridged the dog in John Wick though. <laughs> they, they fridged his wife too. <laughs> yeah, they but they fridged, they fridged the dog. His... That was the thing I noticed with John Wick was I was watching that I go, yeah, I expected the wife to happen, but then they killed the dog and I went, they fridged the dog. They <laughs> fridged the dog. Was it a female Who dog? Fucking fridges the dog. <laughs> but then again, I thought about it and it's like, well, it's, you know, that was the problem with the early, uh, Early well, it's Punisher. Often, it's often his wife and child, right? Like, right. so the dog was his kid. They they fridge kids for male heroes a lot. Well, they too. they do that. Yeah, I mean that's the whole impetus behind and why the the first few attempts at the Punisher movies are so bad is because they made such a big deal about the death of the wife and the family as being the thing that motivates him. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't isn't that true in the comics too? Yeah, I mean that's what the, kind that's of, based on. Yeah, yeah. So. I mean, that's part of the problem with the whole Punisher thing anyway, is, is that the whole thing is based on, on fridging. Um, so is the but, crow. Right. But at least in the crow, he dies too. He just, he also back. gets fridged. <laughs> right. They fridge them both. Um, he gets, and he comes he back to take fridge. revenge. <laughs> so, I mean, that one is not so bad because it's, you know, there's, there's, I mean, in order for the crow to happen, he has to die, too. Yeah, yes, exactly, right. yeah. He gets put so in the same fridge. So See, there I are think, gradations. There I are lots that, of gradations. I, I think that one avoids really falling into the fridging trope because it's not, you know, he's a hero who then has someone taken away from him and he goes on his journey. Um, he has himself and his loved one taken away right. from him both. He, yep. Yeah. He's not only he's not only avenging his loved one's death; he's avenging his own. His own, yeah. So yeah. it's not it doesn't quite so, fall. It's so goth. Oh, I know, isn't it? Dude. And I suppose the one thing that saves the Deadpool situation is that he does go back and reverse it. So considering considering <laughs> the psychosis that Deadpool lives under to begin with, I don't know that even though you know. They killed the girlfriend. He goes through this thing and then retur- and then travels back in time and re- whole spoilers and revives the girlfriend. Revives her, yeah. I don't know that that really signifies using her death as an emotional progression because really Deadpool doesn't quite emotionally progress. He's just psychotic. <laughs> I don't know if he ever does. Yeah, I don't know that right. he has the capacity. So to- I mean, you could you could well, argue- I just brought that up because of the the fact that the creators were like. Right. Didn't even know they had done that. They really didn't understand. Well, they didn't even know they brushed up against it, which I think was the problem. Right. Right. You know. So I think that most of the time, I think some there's probably there are probably a few assholes, especially in Hollywood. I would imagine so. But Mm -hmm. I think most of the time, it's just misogyny is so ingrained in all of us that people just don't notice it, especially when they're creating a strong character. You right. create a strong character and you don't notice. You're like, oh, what? What? Why is that bad? 
Right. She's totally badass. Well, yeah, not totally. But I think that like a lot of the time, this is why I'm writing these is that it's just like, Hey, this is something that like, like for the Marion in in the Indiana Jones thing for me, Mm -hmm. I always, this always bugged me and I had no idea why (laughs) I really didn't know why. Because it was so normal for me to see the male hero go save the chick. Right. And the fact that she was a strong chick was cool. So I didn't really I didn't really get it until I started to sit down and write about it and go, you know what? Oh, I oh. see what just happened. I did, it's almost like I didn't even notice that she was an Amazon's dress because that was so uh-huh. normal in my right. entertainment world. Especially, you know, growing up, you know, at our advanced age. Growing up with the the rom coms of the eighties and, and early nineties, I mean, goodness, right? Like oh. some of the stuff is just so normal, even in my own brain. It's just like, wow. To I didn't to even notice quote, that. To quote my little sister, Jen, all our faves are problematic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, I, I know. Mean, I hope you have me as a guest on that one once or twice. All our faves are problematic. Indiana Jones, you know, mm-hmm. 16 Candles, Pretty in Gosh, Pain, especially that. The Breakfast Club. I'm so ducky. Uh, it's all so problematic. All ducky so, is, ducky and, is well, not like. And that's, that's kind of another <laughs> thing I would like to ask you about while we're here in the first episode with the Marion effect is that there are some times when I see these things called out where where people come up with, these new tropes like you have done. And there's a part of me that, that wants to ask, like, aren't you stretching that just a little bit? I mean, I, I'm aware mm. of things, not you in particular, but it oftentimes, you know, well, it's like with the controversy over the fridging thing with Deadpool and, and some right, of the other right. stuff. It's like, how much of this is really there? Or is this just, you know, internet culture and, and this kind of – we do have this, this tendency, particularly I think in, in the last 20 years in, in this culture, to want to be a victim of something. Oh, right, right. You know, I mean yeah. – and this is not, this is not to, to attempt to, to um, lessen the very obvious – uh, victimization of of people of color of of you know of minorities of the LGBTQ community and things like this who who are legitimately who have legitimately been victimized have been um, abused murdered killed you know ostracized cut off discriminated yeah. against but there's well there's I think this, I think what Me Too has been giving us is that. That's actually mm-hmm. been happening to women, right? The and whole, I, the whole "yes, all women" thing too is that's actually right. been happening to all women too for a long exactly. time now. And so, pointing this stuff out is kind of it's kind of rampant now, but at the same time, it's right. like no, this is actually happening now, and it's actually damaging. Right. So, how do we know the difference between why why is see if I can phrase this the way I want to. Because what I'm getting at is that, you know, there are times when people come out with with things like this where I go, yes, I agree, that is a thing. And then there are some times where people come out and it's, and my response is, really? Yeah, oh, really? totally. It was interesting. I was reading, I was listening, reading, I was listening to this podcast called Pivot. 
mm-hmm. Scott, Scott Galloway and Kara Swisher, but Galloway was talking to a guest um, speaker and they were talking about the sort of outrage culture that's happening on, in, right. on campuses right now. Why are you picking on people with big toes? And it's Everybody just like, well, yeah. Big toe. Just no, like I'm talking being... about the third toe being really big. <laughs> oh, okay. And, and so just you... like, <laughs> just like the the fact that you are offended means that you need to be listened to and that you are right. Right. And and just the need to be like the whole the whole safe space thing, the whole trigger warning thing, mm-hmm. like th- like the difference between what is actually going to harm you and what is just a matter of I need attention because I and the only way I know how to do that is to be outraged. Right. Right. And so that's why this this whole all of these are really hard. Like there are some things where it's, yeah, it is like there, there is a huge spectrum of that, of the outrage culture and then Mm -hmm. bleeding over into the, actually, this is a problem and it's been a problem for a long time and it's damaging. Right. So it's like, it's hard. Sometimes it's hard, especially when you're in a position where you, you don't see this stuff every day Mm -hmm. necessarily. So like if you're in a position of any kind, any kind of like economic race, any kind of privilege, right? Where you're like, I don't understand. <laughs> so either you don't understand because you're like, you're being a stupid idiot. That's not actually a problem, and that's right. actually true. That can happen a lot. Like I was listening to this podcast, and there was it's like, you know, <laughs> yes, if you get sexually harassed in your workplace, okay, that is a huge problem, but let's make sure that there's actually a problem. So there's this huge. Which is good. So the Me Too mm-hmm. thing is good in in a lot of ways because it means that a lot of the stuff that's normal. I've been talking about like how like rape culture is so normalized. Oh yeah. We don't even we don't even notice it a lot of the time now. And mm. now that Me Too has happened, now we're starting to notice it a lot more. Right. But noticing a lot more also means that we're noticing a lot more. <laughs> so right. and it can also mean that there's and some you're gonna have things those... that are bullshit. Right. You're gonna have those situations like the one with Aziz Ansari, which right. Is I was like, just thinking about that. Yeah, it's okay. That just sounded like was, a bad date. <laughs> right. I mean, yes, he was an asshole, but he wasn't exactly a rapey asshole. You and know? then, and then there's the other argument, which would come back to us, which may, which is like, yeah, but yeah, but you know, you didn't, you weren't there. You didn't feel those feelings right. of pressure. You don't understand he, what it's like to be a woman in that situation. Exactly. You and, know, and, and and, he, which is true. And he, he took one, he did not continually get consent. Right. Right. You know, and, and of course, and she relied too much on innuendo to stand in for no. Right. Well, and, and that's to, been something. And again, like what we're talking about, what's what is so ingrained? Right. There's been the whole talk this past because it's just recently uh, we're recently out of the holiday season. We're right. talking about the whole the song, uh, "Baby, It's Cold Outside." There's uh-huh. all the dialogue right. about it. Right. And it's like okay, historical context. Okay, what were the running jokes back then? Right. Okay, what was the misogyny like back then? Right. Okay, what does this song sound like to us right now in 2018, 2019 yep. years? Okay, yep. what? <laughs> so there's a <laughs> lot of stuff to talk about, and it's you yeah, know, yeah. So the, right. it's it's right. the sort of it's the push it's the push and pull between outrage culture, right, and and rape culture. I think. Yeah, and bad communication does not necessarily default to rape. Right. 
you know, it's and a badly just, written character does not necessarily mean misogyny, but that's right. how it ends up sometimes. Right. Like it's a, like the Marion character, the ma- the maid Marion character. Mm-hmm. That's just a shitty movie. That whole movie is really badly written. <laughs> There's all kinds of yeah. bullshit in that movie. Yeah. So and that's just one of many really crappy, crappily written right. things. But and it's Raiders just of the like, Lost Ark is a good movie. And and her descent into being a a damsel in distress, although problematic, is not illogical. It's not illogical. I don't right. know what you mean by illogical. It's not it's not problematic, but it's not illogical. Maid Marian in the Robin Hood movies, her descent into damsel in distress is illogical because oh, right, she has right. there's no she, reason for she, it. Oh, I there's see. no reason for it. Whereas Marian Ravenwood, character wise, there's. It's it's weak, it's flimsy, but there's a reason for her descent into right. she, being the damsel. She, she does try to use her particular strengths, right? And but they, they fail, thwarted because, and so she has no strengths left because right. she used her because strengths. Because the bad guy's a good bad guy, and right. he can he's he he's able to thwart her plan to drink him under the table because he can't be drunk under the table. <laughs> right. 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 <laughs> Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's not that So she's... I see what you're saying. It's it's like there's no, like, for the first mirror, and it's like, that makes zero sense. Right. It's like, and for the second mirror, it's happened? like, well, well it's, oh. it's kind of a problem. She ends up being an object, which is not okay, but right. you can see how that character was written. Right. There's a, there's a, there's, even though it's not good, it's a rational explanation. You can kind of rationalize her descent into being the helpless victim and and you can see and you can see how the effects how the echoes of our culture right are there too i mean it's just like yep it's sort of ostentatious and ridiculous in the maid marion one but you can just see it sort of reverberating a little bit more realistically right. in the Mary maiden but it's like oh well that's that's just where women are supposed to be right which maybe makes even though it's better written and more logical and more rational, makes Marion Ravenwood the more insidious example. Exactly, exactly, because it's less obvious. Right. Because you don't like me, even me. Well, you that's don't notice scary it. and frightening, isn't it? <laughs> Boo! I mean... <laughs> now, on the other hand, I also don't want to be like... I don't want to go replacing all of our awesome male heroes with women, either. For no reason, anyway. Well, yeah. Like, I hear that on Broadway recently, they did a revival of Glengarry Glen Ross with an all-female cast. Uh-huh. And I was, I was like, wait, but that's... Did, that, the whole point, the whole... No. But women wouldn't <laughs> act that way. That's not... The whole point of Glengarry Glen Ross right. is the male... That's not... No, you don't put women in that play to make it okay. Right. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You're completely not even noticing what the play is about. So right. stuff like that. Like, I don't want to just go ahead and... I mean, I like the female Doctor Who. I haven't seen any episodes of her, but yeah. I like the clips I've seen of her. It's fine. It's whatever, you know. But I don't want to go, like, replacing all of the male heroes with women. That's not the solution either. The solution is how can we have male characters and female characters that are less problematic how can we have our female characters right. less completely subservient to the male characters right how can they be co-equal badasses co-equal badasses even if they're not the protagonist 
well, A, we should make them protagonists more often than we do. True. And B, how can we make them at least, like you said, co-equal badasses? Even if they're a pivotal character or a sidekick or something, mm-hmm. can we can we not make them subservient? Can we not make them less than the male? Can right, we not right. make them fall into all of these sort of misogynist tropes that happen? Right, right. So... So yeah, yeah, and the Marion Ravenwood one, like you said, is scarier because you don't notice it. Well, here's an interesting question: Would would um, would Marion Ravenwood's descent into being the damsel in the distress been more palatable if the bad guy had been a woman? I don't know. Or would that have then also then perpetuated kind of the gender issue because? You would have, if she's strong, you would, if she's you strong have, she has to be a villain. If she's if she's stronger than your good guy badass female, then she has she can only be defeated by a man. Yeah, yeah. Right. Well, I, I kind of talk about that in my but, last one. Okay. Yeah. See, it's I more, read it's your more, stuff. It's more so. <laughs> <laughs> well, in advance of talking to you, I read your stuff. I'm so glad you're prepared, Jason Mallott. <laughs> so good. Well, I mean, the last one is it's more centered on sex mm-hmm. in particular as a power, but that's kind of what it's talking about, about like right. if she is Seven more is powerful the, than is, the male hero, I'm she only has here to be a for villain. my vagina. Yeah, I'm only here for my vagina. <laughs> um, but it's the whole, it's the dynamic of if she is an equal in power and being mm-hmm. in badassery, she either loses that to become a love interest or she's a villain and has to be defeated right. that way. But either way, her power is defeated by the male hero. He's the only one who can do that. There's a sub trope of that one called oops, I'm not gay after all. Oh, there is. That's not <laughs> yeah. on here. I didn't miss, I didn't catch that one. <laughs> so that was the Marion effect. And next yes. week we're going to talk about um, the wonder woman. That'll be our problematic um, badass female trope number two, indeed, or our problematic badass lady part number two. <laughs> <laughs> problematic badass lady part, duh. Part duh. <laughs> so, any last any last words before we uh, let the audience go? I just want to remind the listeners that we're talking about badasses, and we're yes. opening your eyes. Yes. We're pulling and, the wool off of your eyes. And if they and if they want to read the articles, they're available at writershq.co.uk. And we'll have links in the show notes. Yes. So they have a whole archive of all seven of them that you can read one at a time. One at a time. And follow Yay. along and send us nasty notes. Because, oh, yeah, yeah, totally do. <laughs> Say goodbye. Bye. <laughs> The Outrider Podcast is recorded by me, Jason Quinn Malott, and cleaned up by my badass producer, Heather Ann Eden. The songs Choose and Adventure and Break and Mend used in this series are by Wichita-based band Cartwheel off their new EP, Best Days, and are used by permission of the copyright holder, Kristen Chapman. You can get Cartwheel's EP on Apple Music and Spotify, so visit them at www.cartwheel.band.